0: right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz. Six, S-I-X, sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz. B-L-I-T-Z. I I can't wait to give you some incredible ideas. My name is Ben Hartley with sixfigurephotography.org. And today, we are sitting down with Bradford, a uh, million dollar photographer. He has three uh, fully running studios that he manages, it is one of the most expensive portrait photographers uh, here in the country. And uh, honestly, he is a, full, uh, a a firm believer that portraiture uh, is not dead, and I love this. And so we're gonna we're gonna get a chance to uh, to jump in, ask him some great questions, and um, and learn. Uh, I think a ton from this guy, Bradford. I want to hop over to you for a second. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got started into photography. You've been at it for a little while.
1: Yeah. So I actually started a studio at age 22, believe it or not. <laughs> and I always loved photography ever since I was a kid, and. I just had this belief that you could never make money at photography. And so I did construction technology. That was my profession. But then I started the studio at 22 on the side, but I always figured I'll do this on the side because you could never really make a full time living at photography. And, uh, and then what happened in the late eighties, California went through a, a, a pretty intense recession and uh, the construction business that we were in just died. And, Like I had to to do something, and I didn't have really any other skills besides my photography. So, like I had to make that business work, and uh, that's just kind of how I got in it.
0: I think that a lot of our audience relates. I certainly relate. I mean, I was out of college, I just got married. Uh, There, you know, I was an oil painter in school, and in the Midwest making a living with oil paintings was very difficult at the time. (laughs) And just out of desperation, I was like, I'm either going to wait tables or I'm going to come up with something else. And so uh, sometimes that is the most motivating thing is just, you you, you know, it's sink or swim, you have to do it. Um, Okay, so you recently started a blog called Million Dollar Photographer, a really successful blog, and I'm super excited about it. What made you want to start this blog out?
1: Okay, so... You know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I don't belong to a lot of
0: photography associations. In fact, I don't belong to any photography association. <laughs> I love that about you, actually. It's one of my favorite things about you, Bradford. <laughs> well, I've actually spoken
1: at PP of A without being a member. I was the closing speaker at one of the professional photographers of uh, Canada uh, convention, but I'm just not a member of any of these organizations. And, and so I don't hang out in a lot of photography forums or anything. And it was we were on vacation in November in, in, in Hawaii, and because I live in the East Coast, it's a six-hour time change, I believe, at the time, and so um, my wife adjusted to the time really well. She was sleeping in. I wasn't. I was up early. I couldn't adjust to the time, and so I was just going on, and you know, I had all this extra time, so I was looking at these photography forms, and I just couldn't believe the nativity that was on there. In fact, one of the comments said said the portrait era is over, and it basically went on to talk about how nobody spends money on on, on portraits anymore. And I just couldn't believe that people would 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 believe that. And I actually, that title became the first article that I wrote. And then, I, further reading, there was a, a an article out there that said something like, "Dear chief photographer, you're ruining my life," and. Um, and I read the article and, and again, I was just, I couldn't believe the level of negativity because we were doing really well. We were selling, you know, and, and continue to sell you know, portraits really well. And, um, we sold several portraits this last month, over $10,000 for a single portrait. Mm-hmm. And so I was just having a hard time with this. So I I left a comment on this one. I tried to be really respectful, you know, not putting down the writer, but just kind of giving my point of view. And somehow I think it resonated because like really quickly I got like 40 likes on my comment. <laughs> and so I started leaving a few more comments. I were getting all these like I was getting all these likes and I said, you know, this is kind of fun to, to give people, you know, a different perspective that that it's actually an amazing time to be a photographer and people are still buying portraits so that's when I came out with my article um the portrait era is over which was really kind of it's not over um and here eight months later we're like over 21,000 subscribers that's something I never thought of it's just like kind of out of the blue thing. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of
0: crazy. That's really awesome. And it's a great article that you wrote. It's, it's, it makes sense why it has, has snowballed, you know, and it's one of the things that getting back to the idea that you said, you know, you're not really deeply connected to a lot of these other photography organizations. And I think that, um, too often as photographers we get like in this like uh this circle this loop where we're we're always referencing each other and we're trying to learn how to run a business from other photographers and other artists and learn how to price from other artists and it's it's so great to have a, a fresh perspective like yourself um who's kind of like breaking into this and saying like wait hold up <laughs> like let's inject a little bit of a different perspective into this whole thing and it's it's been really refreshing so um, it's it's no wonder why you know your blog has grown to what it is today. Um, in one of your posts, and I love this line, you say that our industry teaches us to be busy, not profitable. Uh, it's a really it's a really striking line. Uh, you reference Tim Ferriss's four hour work week as one of your um, most uh, uh, you know, cited resources and, and books, um, for your own life and business. And I guess I feel like so many photographers are just busy and they're, they're, they're too busy. They're trying to figure out how they're going to keep up with everything. Um, and here you are, you're running three successful studios. And so I want to ask you, how do you manage everything? Well,
1: I guess it's come down to a couple of things. One, great staff. And you're not always big enough to, to, to have great staff, but I'd say great staff, um, autopilot marketing, so marketing that, that just works, that you don't have to work at all the time. And then for us, a huge thing is just, we don't try and be all things to all people. We don't try and do all types of photography. So I'm not running to do a school event here, a sporting event over there, a senior shoot over here. And I, we only do portraits. Now, I know your audience is a lot of wedding photographers, um, but we s- specialize in just one style of portraiture. Mm-hmm. And so in um, it's studio work, and we can get people in very condensed periods. So I run three studios, and um, I work a total of seven days a month outside of the studio, which provides like some amazing travel time, some amazing time away. Like we had a time in June that, uh, um, you know, I think in a two month period, I'd work like five
0: days
1: (laughs) weeks in South America. I took my son to, to London for a week for him and I to hang out. Um, so I really love having a streamlined business that, uh, that, that allows me to do that. But, Certainly having great staff that you can depend on and then just not trying to be all things to all people um, by focusing on one specific area that we know that we make maximum profit at. By the way, when I said our industry teaches us to to be busy, not profitable, that was born because I was sitting one time in a class and this photographer who had won, I believe PP of a marketing award for the best marketing for the Midwest region was going on and talking about this program that that she was doing. This was like 20 years ago or something. And she was talking about how she sent out these postcards and it got X amount of clients and was doing this, and this was the average order. And I saw all these photographers with smiles on their faces and they were taking notes and that. And I'm like, am I the only person doing math here? Because I was looking at her costs, number of clients that she got in her average order, and then I'm like, she's hardly making money here. And yet, everyone was eating it up like this is amazing, and 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 that's when I just started thinking. You know, I see so many photographers talk about just photographing and being busy, but not the amount of money that they bring home. Or when they talk about money, they talk about gross income and not net income. So, um, for me, those are all elements that are that are very important. And not to go on here, but when we opened up the studio in New York, so I'm from California and that's where I started our studio. We've had that studio for 27 years. But when I opened up a studio in New York, I did it long distance. So I would come out here and I would photograph three days a month. That was it. And, um, and we've run that studio still to this day. I live in the New York area, but I photograph on four days a month. Um, We've seen our studio hit, um, 1.4 million on just three days a month of, uh, of photography. And we just go three long days a month or four long days a month starting at eight in the morning and going to 10 at night. And we photograph a client, uh, um, like one an hour or one every couple hours. And it works just really great for us.
0: That's awesome. So staffing is is a huge part of this. You you said it a couple times. uh, Do you have any tips as people are growing, as they're looking for staff? I think most often those roles tend to be in our industry, uh, an office manager or an associate photographer, um, sometimes a second shooter or or a lighting director on a day. Do you have any suggestions or tips um, for individuals as they look to hire others?
1: Um, So... I like to think differently. So, um, one of my good friends here in town is, uh, David Neilman. He founded JetBlue Airways, WestJet in Canada, um, Azul in Brazil. Um, he's just has an amazing entrepreneurial mind. To me, he's like the Walt Disney of our, our day. A lot of people don't know him, but he's just, he's employed thousands and thousands of people and he changed the airline industry with JetBlue and he's doing the same in South America. And, um, and, 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 he, and he did it in Canada. And like one of the things that, that he did is that um, when he started JetBlue, so a lot of people when they were calling JetBlue to make a reservation, back before everyone did it on, on internet, but when you call JetBlue to make a reservation, you're not getting someone's office. You're actually getting a stay-at-home mom in most cases answering the phones out of their home. And so I look at what can I do to offer somebody a job that will be so amazing for them, they'll just be the best employee ever. So let me give you an example. So the person that answers our phones in for all our studios actually, and, and handles everything, and is kind of like my executive assistant, a person by the name of Erica, She was the executive assistant, for the publisher of people magazine. And so she's used to getting like celebrities at different places at different photo shoots, different things. Um, she just has to be at the top of her game, but she was tired of the commute into the city and, um, wanted to become a mom. And so I said, wow, I have an amazing opportunity to offer this person a job to be able to, to work for me, to be able to set up my appointments and everything. And so I set up a whole phone system in her, in her home so that she could be there at home, not have to leave, and I would have this amazing talent working for me. So I do a lot of off-site, um, or I have a lot of people work for me off-site mm-hmm. uh, where they work out of their home. But I look for like amazing talent that I wouldn't be able to get otherwise. In, in the case of Erica – and people just tell me all the time how amazing she was with them on the phone or through email or whatever. And no one has any clue that she's working out of her home on Long Island. And um, so just trying to think outside the box would be one of the things. Um, to, to get amazing talent and offer them things that they won't be able to get anywhere else. And you're going to have amazing talent.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. One of the things that we've done is... Uh, You know, being a very small studio, you know, a lot of times I work from home. And so, and I think a lot of our audience, they're in that same boat. They're working from home. And so the idea of bringing on an office manager um, would mean getting a separate space for them, a whole separate building and the overhead that it's involved with that. And so, you know, why not have a virtual assistant? Why not have somebody who's working from home, answering phone calls, answering emails? And that's what we do. We have a virtual assistant who is, Uh, a full-time office manager for us, but she's not once been into our studio (laughs) and it's, and it's great. And it works for her life. Um, And, and she's stuck around because it works so well for her life, you know, and then in turn for us. So um, yeah. And that's something you can get someone part time. So if you're just starting
1: out and you need someone just a couple hours, that's an easy way to get someone
0: for just a couple hours to help you out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, okay, you've been at this for like three decades now. A lot of the stuff that you're saying, uh, it's you know, you, it, you didn't just like happen upon it. <laughs> you know, you've been at it for a while. So, I want to be able to say that you know to our audience, <laughs> don't be don't be like too overwhelmed right off the bat here. But you know, when you started, what were some of the biggest struggles that you uh, that you had to overcome, and how did you overcome it?
1: Well, I think the biggest mistake that I did was just paying a ton of money on advertising. Um, So I sunk – because I had a side business, I could afford to do this. But I put like $50,000 to $100,000 in different types of advertising. For me, I just thought if I could do the right type of advertising, then as soon as I found the right one, I would just repeat it over and over and over again. And so I invested – all this money in advertising and was a huge mistake and I lost all that money and then when the recession hit in California in 1989 um, combined with me pretty much losing all the savings um, that I had uh, led me into a a, a very painful bankruptcy And, um, and then I had no money and I had to learn how to do marketing that did cost money get people through your door when you didn't have any resources. And um, I think that was one of the hardest lessons for me to learn was, you know, I always believe, you know, it takes money to make money and, and, um, and I just fell into that trap. So um, I think that was my biggest hurdle. When I figured out that, that, you know, if you just think hard enough, if you could be creative and do the things that perhaps other people aren't doing to your door, um, that's when my life really began to change. That's when clients started coming to my door and I started making money. And and, um, and then in 1997, um, Burrell Color Labs invited 50 of their top studios uh, clients to Chicago for a meeting and they did this like four-day program. And I was like, really? I'm here? I'm one of the top 50? <laughs> <students>? Really? <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I would say that.
0: Awesome. So then would you agree that uh, my guess is um, that's probably one of the things that you wish you would have known when you started off or is there anything else that like, you know, now that you wish you would have known then? Uh, I I just say just to really like
1: see the potential of your future and, and, and believe in yourself. So that same event in Chicago where we were invited to top 50 studios like I said, I wasn't a member of A. At that time, I couldn't afford to be a member of anybody um, in the early 90s, right after my bankruptcy. And and so I wasn't part of the in crowd of photographers. I wasn't in the associations. No one knew who I was. And and I remember the first night of this like four-day program that uh, Don Burrell put on for, for his top 50 clients. And I remember there were photographers in little circles talking to each other, and and I went there and um, I tried to stand by this group of photographers and get into the conversation or that group of photographers. And everyone just kept ignoring me or just kept looking at me like, who's this guy? And then they would just kind of turn away.
0: <laughs> and <I> just, just <laughs> Angle, anymore. yeah.
1: And seriously, it was so uncomfortable that, that I, just, I felt so bad and so unpopular. I just went back up to my hotel room and just spent the rest of the evening in my hotel room. And I thought, wow, I'm just not one of them. And, you know, a couple years later in that same organization, I started sharing a little bit of what I did as far as marketing and this and that. And like all of a sudden at lunch, people were like, can I sit here? Would you mind if I sit here? And people (laughs) were asking me about marketing and and how we were doing things when they found out, you know, how we were doing it. And, And, you know, just to believe in yourself, I would have never imagined that from photography that uh, I'd end up having a home in Laguna Beach, a five-bedroom, five-bathroom home in Laguna Beach. I'd have a nine-bedroom, six-bathroom home here in Connecticut. And although, you know, that got a little too out of hand, you know, we started spending a little too much. But uh, I just never would have imagined that this profession could bring so much uh, prosperity, so much free time, so much. It's been an amazing profession.
0: Yeah. So, you know, you talk about uh, prosperity and there's a story that you tell about um, two authors, um, both successful, one maybe a little bit more than the other. And, and the, the one author, he's like, hey, man, I'm starting myself with like all these guys They make a million a year and you're you're doing so well. What who do you surround yourself with? And the other author said, well, everybody that I that I mastermind with that I connect with, they make a billion dollars a year. And, and it's like you know, uh, I think you're as good as the people that are around you. Um, and so, you know, for photographers out there who, um, they're wanting to, to grow their business, maybe they're wanting to charge $10,000 a wedding or, or, or more like, how do you find, um, how do you find these groups? How do you find these type of people, um, and go about joining something like that?
1: Um, it's kind of funny. You say $10,000 per wedding. I'm thinking, I was married last September, and I ended up paying over a thousand dollars an hour just for the labor. Yeah. No pictures, nothing, just yeah. just the labor on it. And there's a wedding reception, and then we did a day in New York, and uh, and so I'm kind of chuckling at people saying that that uh, maybe it might be tough to do a, a ten thousand dollar wedding or so. But uh, okay, so where it started for me really is I had a friend in Canada, really good friend, uh, Andrea Amiat and he was owner of one of the largest commercial photography studios in Canada and um, had sold his studio and retired in this beautiful estate on like, I guess like seven acres, with this beautiful river running through. And I'm like, you know, this guy's a great example for me. And I was doing pretty well in the industry and we were friends. And I said, Hey, Andre, I says, how would you like to just start a little like companionship where we would communicate once a week? our goals and the things that we wanted to accomplish that week. We would report back to each other the following week and let's get together once a year someplace and really like map out what our life's going to be in the next year. Mm -hmm. And so we did that. So that was like, I call it accountability partnership. That's something that you can do with just about anybody. Then um, when I did our seminar in Chicago, uh, there were a couple Australians there um, at the seminar, one from Melbourne, one from Sydney and also another one from the United States. And um, after the seminar, um, this was in 2004, like within the first year, these these Aussies were taking what I taught. Like one of them was like, he was a part-time, I guess he was a baker. And he was trying to make it as a photographer, but was like really struggling. And um, he just started taking this stuff like to the next level. Um, and like, Very quickly, they were doing over a million a year, and I could see the direction they were going. I could see their passion, their enthusiasm, their business acumen that they had, and I said, you know what? These are the kind of people I want to surround myself with, so I invited them into the group. Um, We eventually brought in like six or seven people into the group of just high achievers. When we started the group, we all had one studio, and we were making each about a million dollars a year. Within a very short period of time, within a certain number of years, then we all had two studios. We're doing like a couple million a year. And then pretty soon, a lot of us were having two to three studios. Now, my one friend from Australia, he has six studios, is doing about $6 million a year. um, And... It's just kind of amazing. We, we've we met every year someplace there. We've been to the Great Barrier Reef. We've been to Hawaii a couple times. We've been to Cancun. We've been to St. Thomas. And we just go once a year and just for four days, we we do a marketing day. We do a sales day. We do a staff and studio management day. Uh, we do a goals day. And um, we just hang out and, and just inspire each other to the next level. And – it's been an amazing thing because usually within the first couple hours of being around each other, we we say, Okay, what you just said right there paid for my trip. And uh in addition to that, just having the weekly contact as far as goals and, and, and accountability as well. It to me it's inspiring.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's so interesting because you know, like what you said right there, for so many photographers, like the idea of doing a ten thousand dollar wedding is just like completely out of their mind like they couldn't imagine it and then for so many others it's like oh, oh ten thousand dollar wedding that's like that's so cheap uh and it, i think it's one of those things that like um you well you put it this way like whether you think you can or you can't you're right and so much of our mindset defines our pricing defines um how much you know that that we that we make um and so there's that little voice in the back of your head that's saying, you know, to a lot of us out there, like, look, you can never be a ten thousand dollars wedding photographer. You can never sell. You can never sell a single portrait for ten thousand um, dollars. How do you silence that voice? How uh, how do you get get it in your head that, like, yeah, uh, ten thousand dollars a wedding, ten thousand dollars a portrait, easy? Okay,
1: so I learned this from Brian Tracy, you know, who's a great motivator and, and, and author. And what he said is that we all have a thermostat within us. And that thermostat is set to a certain level, what we believe is capable for ourselves. And whenever we get either 10% under or 10% over, we start making adjustments to get us back into where that thermostat should be set for us in, in our mind. So if we're doing like 10% under what we know we should be doing and what we're normally at, we're going we're to pick up the pace a little bit to get there. But if we go over 10%, the other direction where we're overachieving, what often happens is that we sabotage ourselves. And We can sabotage ourselves with, with limiting thoughts too. Like I can never charge that much, or that's crazy. You know, I wrote a blog yesterday. I put out, and one of the comments on, on the blog was, "I just plain don't believe that someone could get over twenty thousand dollars for a portrait." Um, you know, and for that person, they're right because you know they believe that it that, that it's not possible, and so. One of the things, so there's a couple of strategies I use to get my thermostat turned way towards the other direction.
0: <laughs> I'm excited to hear this, I really am.
1: Okay, so one of the things you want to do is uh, you've got to have a goal. What am I going to make for this year? Um, and it's got to stretch you, and you got to look at it every single day. That figure's got to be posted somewhere where you're going to take your mind and you're going to bend that needle as much as you can, even against resistance, that this could be possible. Okay, that's one thing. The second thing is... When I look at how much to charge for, for for my portraits and that, like I used to live in Laguna Beach, California, and I would go there. There's an artist there called Wyland, um, and uh, he paints these murals of whales and these, these paintings of whales, and he's amazing. Like I think he's the highest paid living artist on, on earth today, um, where he gets like a half a million to a million dollars per painting, and. So I would, he's got three galleries there in Laguna Beach. I would just go through the galleries and I'd look at these um, like lithographs. They're just signed and, and numbered. Say they're one out of 320. But I'm thinking this thing is printed through a machine and then it's got his pencil signature on it. And it's selling for like several, like five, $7,000 for something that's just printed through a machine with his signature on that is like every other one in the series. And I'm like, if he can do that, I'm creating something that's original for somebody. Or I'll go to like where my Palm Beach studio is on, on Worth Avenue, and I'll go to some of the art galleries and I'll look at, like, I went in last month and I said, you know, I'd just like to, to get an idea of, of what this particular art piece costs. It was like $450,000. <laughs> and, you know, and they were wanting to take me up to a private room upstairs. They were offering me all kinds of drinks and so forth. But I'm thinking, Okay. If you look at what a lot of art sells for and high-end photography, my wife and I, we were last month um, eating out at, uh, here in, in Norwalk, Connecticut. I live in a place called New Canaan. Norwalk is not an upscale area at all. It would be considered you know, more average of the road or maybe even below average. But we were eating dinner there. Um, they have the street that has some nice restaurants on it. And across the street was an art gallery. And there was a photograph of a ballerina in and it was a simple photograph, black and white, it was selling for twenty-five thousand dollars. And so by putting myself in situations where I'm seeing what's possible in other arenas with art and photography, it it lets me know what's possible. I love like when I go on a cruise, I love to go to the art auctions as a as a business strategy, just to sit there and listen to how they market the art. How they get people to spend X amount of dollars. Because I've been at art auctions on cruises where there's pieces going for $75,000 to $100,000. And I love to learn how they present it, how they sell it, how they talk about the value. And uh, those are just some of the things for me that work to – and okay, this may sound really, really bad. But one of the things I keep myself out of photography associations is – Look, the average salary for photographers isn't something like in the thirty thousands or something. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. I want to keep myself away from that to some degree. I want to be over here where people are charging X amount of dollars in art and so forth, and, and what I can learn from that, and just try not to get myself affected by by people. Like I was looking at a forum today and just seeing some of the negativity that was coming out of there, and. I'm just glad that I'm limited amount listening to, to that type
0: of time. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I always encourage other photographers to like uh, to stop looking at other, other photographers in their niche. It just gets uh, like, it gets a little depressing, <laughs> you know, it really does. Um And this is interesting even hearing it in, in terms of like dollar amounts and all that kind of stuff. Um, this is just a very, like the things that you are saying, man, I know that you know it, but like are so unheard of, of in the photography world. And I think a lot of it too, is we don't believe that we're making artwork for our clients. I think that's one of the, the biggest things. I think that we just think that we're out there and we're clicking a button that anyone can do it. Um, and I, we just have to get away from that perspective. Like we, we are creating artwork and there is, there's is a piece of us that goes into it that's, that's unique. Um, and it is, it's not like you were saying a lithograph, it's on a machine. It's not this thing that's just like, you know, auto printing off. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So, you know, clearly you, you have this business mindset down so, so strongly and it's impacted your business so much. And so I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, I, you're one of the most expensive portrait photographers in America. How much of that do you think is skill? I mean, are you that much better than uh, everyone else? Or is it the way that you position and you sell your services? Like how do you sell differently than other photographers?
1: Okay. So, um, on this blind, I started million dollar com. I did an article. I it's like my fourth or fifth article and, and you can search someplace in articles. And I, And I just kind of like recently kind of just tweaked the article a little bit. But I put up a painting um, that looks like this beautiful, beautiful painting. And it's up for sale for $350. It's an original oil painting. um, But the artist is dead now. And they're selling it. And it's beautiful. $350. And then I put up this other art piece that like recently sold for $20 million. And you look at it and you go, hmm. Um, It's just – doesn't look very special at all. I'm saying, okay, what caused this art piece to sell for two hundred thousand times the amount of this art piece? And um, those are questions that I ask myself all the time. But no, I'd say for me, um, so photography is only the beginning for for what we do. And what I tell my my clients is that uh, that photography is just the base. Where it's really at for us is in the artistry. So I have an amazing. Um, staff of artists um, who I think are the best in the country at what they do, and um, they only work for me, and um, so what we're really creating for clients is, is art, original art of that which is most precious to them in their life, and so I learned a long time ago that you can sell photography for hundreds, but art for thousands, sometimes tens of thousands, sometimes even millions. And though we're not at the millions range for a a portrait, um, but we have certainly broken the ceiling of what many people thought was possible to be able to get for for a portrait. And I'm just really marketing the art and how special that is. It's original art. I mean, it's not a commodity because you've got the artistry that goes into it. It's like, why does one painter get $100,000 for a painting and another painter just get $200 um, for a painting? A lot of it is how you present yourself as an artist and um, the mindset you give people about uh, the type of work that you're doing and so forth. And I just want to break in really quickly and say this. I almost – every blog I write, someone will write something like, well, that works for you. You're working with the top 1% or 2% and you're in New York and you, you're in these areas where people have got this kind of money and money's just not a problem for them. I've met very few clients where money's not a problem um, for them. And actually, we do clients from all over. And I think people would be surprised at how middle class actually my clients are. And it's just about getting them to see your work as art and something that's really special. And they'll part with that amount of money. They don't have to be in the top 1% to 2%. Most of my clients are certainly not in the top 1% or 2%.
0: Yeah. So I have a question. Um, and This is getting a little bit more now towards uh, the the service end of things. But like, when someone comes in, are they walking away with like one single portrait most of the time? Or is there a series that happens? How does that play out for you? And I'm sure that there's a range. But what is the most like, what do you see most often?
1: Okay, so we don't sell series of pictures. I'm in it to sell one portrait properly done. We're going to sell one portrait that's going to have an amazing frame on it, that's going to have a hand-engraved 22-karat gold nameplate that's going to be properly lit, um, that's going to be done amazing. If you walk into our studio, um, say in New York or Florida or, or California, you will only see one portrait per wall. Um, we're... We're trying to make our studio look more like a museum, more like there's one piece here that's so amazing it just needs to be appreciated and not in competition with all this other stuff that's on the wall around it. So I know that's different than what a lot of photographers do, but it's it's what works for me, and we want to get them in one amazing piece. Does that mean that sometimes we don't, when we do a family, we don't break it up and do the children? Sure, we do that whenever we can, but my goal is always that one portrait. If we get them to buy a portrait of their daughter in addition the other portraits, that's just icing on the cake. But our main goal is to get them in a five-figure portrait.
0: That's awesome. So now to kind of uh, – and we're going off off here a little bit, but I've got one more follow-up question. Because you already mentioned so much of our audience is wedding photographers. So – and I know it's an entirely different business model, but I want to pick your brain on it. How, how would you see this playing out with wedding photography? I mean, do you still shoot the rest of the day, but then you set aside a time to create one set apart, like bride and groom, like portrait of them together? Like, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: I think you guys as wedding photographers should, because you know what? We're getting them. We're getting people say, well, we've got some for our wedding. We're photographing, you know, our wedding at such and such place there. But I really want to have a formal bridal portrait. So they're coming into us and doing the formal bridal portrait. Why aren't you guys doing it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So
1: I yeah, I think I think that you know having that formal bridal portrait, whether it's the, the bride and groom or just the bride in her dress in a portrait studio, is something very classic, something that, that should definitely be marketed as something really special and and something that is tradition that you should have in your culture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that word is really powerful too. tradition. Again, it gets away from this idea of like, this is a single photograph. This is, this is an heirloom. This is a memory. This is tradition. Um, I love that. Well, um, okay. So you talk a lot about gear. Uh, you know, so many photographers are, well, you don't talk a lot about gear actually. <laughs> so, oh, well,
1: yeah, to throw in two cents here. Go ahead. Yeah. So,
0: so many photographers are stuck in this whole gear trap of just of buying the newest piece, the latest piece, more and more and more and more. Um, doing $7 million a year in sales, like what is your philosophy on gear? How important is it?
1: So I think it was, was, you know, I think it was Bruce Hudson. I want to give credit to the right person. I'm not sure who said this. Um, maybe it was the son, maybe it was someone, I forget. Um, but I heard someone once say that, uh, and I get this all the time where people come and say, so what type of camera do you use? And they start walking up to my camera and and looking at it and everything, And I kind of use this line that I learned, it's kind of like going to an amazing dinner and having the best gourmet dinner and then asking, you know, your, your host, that dinner was amazing. What brand of oven do you use? And, um, (laughs) 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 so I, um, I got the Hasselblad HD, um, System for my studio in California, my studio in New York. Started using that. I spent like over a hundred thousand dollars on the system, mm-hmm. and um, I'm not holding anyone, so I can just talk freely. And then I got a Sony um, as my backup camera, and um, the A900, I believe. I'm not a, a, a technical person on camera equipment, but anyways, uh, so. Something happened with the Hasselblad and I had to start using my Sony. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the coloring, everything seems a little bit better here. And I'm like, what am I doing with this expensive equipment when the Sony is doing just great for me? So I basically put up my Hasselblad on eBay and sold it to some guy in China. And now we work with the Sony system. I noticed no difference in... The amount of uh, average order that we were getting, and when people ask me what's, I say, yeah, I love Sony because they use, you know, I can use Carl Zeiss lenses on them, which are known as the best lenses in the world. But really, the photography is the base, because what we're going to create for you is this beautiful original art piece. And sometimes they keep pressing me. I will tell the story. I say, you know, it's kind of, I'll say it's kind of like having an amazing dinner and then asking the cook, man, that was amazing. What brand of oven do you use? And usually they go, okay, I get it. And, and, um, uh, so for me, most camera systems today have pretty good optics on it, have pretty good megapixels. Um, I do not get too hung up in, in the equipment.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've been debating with a, a member of my team here, our video team, and, you know, we're on a phenomenal video camera. Here. It's the a7s, a Sony a7s. Um, the, you know, all the tech specs on it, it's incredible. But even if it wasn't what it is, you know, uh, I think that it comes down to the artwork that you create, the story that you tell, uh, more than anything about gear. And he's, he's, he's so set on, like, getting this, like, $50,000 camera. And I just, you know, it's one of those things that I I, I keep, like, just reiterating, like, man, it's not going to, the clients aren't even going to notice. Like, they're going to notice the story. They're going to notice the artwork. They're going to notice the emotion. That's what they're going to notice. That's what they're going to pay for. Save your money, buddy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Absolutely. makes zero difference. Okay, you mentioned that to be successful, to spend more money on education, and specifically business education, rather than what you do on, on, again, equipment and that type of stuff. Um, I think it's really critical. I think it's so critical to be thinking about um, your 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 business education. What are some of your favorite resources that that you've learned from?
1: Okay, so I'm a huge reader on business books, and at least once a month I'm putting down a different, finishing a different business book. So in the last couple decades, you know, I've I've probably read between two three hundred business books, and there's certain authors that just resonate with me, um, and and that's that's huge for me. Um, I, uh, I love reading stuff by like Dan Kennedy. Um, he's a great guy to, to learn from his book on, um, uh, the ultimate sales letter, um, is amazing for knowing how to properly write. Um, there's this book written in the seventies, I believe, uh, by Joseph Sugarman called advertising secrets of the written word. Um, that's an amazing book. And I just saw that on amazon.com this morning for like $112. So it's out of print, but it's so valuable. Like people are paying over hundred dollars to get this book. Hmm. Um, And um, so I just read a ton and, um, and listen to certain programs. Uh, Tony Robbins has obviously been a huge uh, uh, motivator um, for me. Um, Mark Victor Hansen, who are the two authors that, that talked about, uh, um, who they hang out with um, has been huge for me. And then I had him as a client, which was amazing. Um, there's a site that I, uh, Motivation to Move by Scott Smith, motivation to com. This guy gets a, a daily podcast on motivation, just kind of keeps me in the right frame of mind. Um, not a ton from different people, but uh, from outside the photography industry, I
0: just try and learn as much as I can. Yeah, it's awesome. Again, getting back to it, I think that you know we're we're looking to the wrong people <laughs> to, to learn about business. You know, um, you know, we're always looking at other photographers to understand how to price stuff and understand how to run a business and how to scale. And, and uh, I just think it's it's entirely the wrong crowd. And I agree. I think some of the people that I've learned the most from they're they're not photographers. They're entrepreneurs. They're business people. They're uh, they're doing things they're doing things really great. So I'm going to need to take a, take a look at those names that you wrote down and uh, start digging into them myself. So, um, well, we're, we're getting closer to the end. I've got a couple more questions here that I want to ask. You brought up, uh, one of the statements in a, in a blog post, I think it was a comment that you said, um, cheap photographers are ruining the industry. Okay. And so I guess I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on that statement and how, how do we compete with, with those, I'm in the same boat. I think uh, at least, you know, three times a week, I get an email that says, Ben, how do I possibly compete with a photographer that's only charging uh, $500 to shoot a wedding? That's only charging $100 to shoot, you know, a portrait session. How do I even compete? What do you say to them? Well, you don't compete with them. You let them compete with themselves. (laughs) Um,
1: You know, hey, everyone knows what they, everyone knows what they're worth and they charge accordingly, right? And what you've got to do is to offer different things that no one else is offering so that you're not competing with anybody. Like, as far as I know, we're one of the only photographers that there is that that does portraits completely the completely painted finish over the photography. Um that puts them in these amazing frames that does twenty-two carat gold hand-engraved nameplates. Like, it seems like a simple thing, right? But like the nameplate that we do, our, our nameplate artist, who I have an exclusivity with, by the way, um, there's only one other photographer she works with, and she's promised that it stops there, but she's done, um, her nameplates on original Renoir's, Monet's, million-dollar art pieces all over the world. Her nameplates is on Michael Jackson's portrait in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the state where you are. Um, and these are things I can tell my client that make us different from anyone else out there. So if you're constantly looking to offer a product or an experience... That no one else is offering, and as soon as you do that, you're no longer competing. But as long as you're doing the same thing that everyone else is doing, then yeah, you're competing with them. So your goal is to do something so different, offer an experience that's so unique, and to come up with points that are so different, you're not competing. I have this little um, sheet that we have in our studio. It's like nine things um, that makes a Bradford portrait unlike any other portrait in the world, and. We go into just really good copy about how our portraits are set apart so different from everybody else, and we'll make people spend, you know, twenty five hundred dollars to four thousand dollars and more to go from just one size to the next size.
0: Yeah, I think that's so powerful. Just the idea of just like stop, stop competing with them. To do so, like. Uh, it, it reduces your own worth and your own value you know what I mean it's like take the high road almost <laughs> so yeah creating your setting yourself so so far apart that it's uh, they're not even in the same the same league um, I totally get it okay man well uh, this has been awesome one last question uh, one piece of advice that you want to leave the six figure photography audience with. Um, what would that piece of advice be is they're looking into, to finishing up this year strong and then thinking about, uh, all the changes that, you know, hopefully they'll be making starting, you know, in 2016, what advice do you have for them? Look, learn as much as you can on the business side. There's so much out there on the creative side
1: and you can work on the creative side. Just learn all that you can on the business side, because if you do, you know, I've said photography is the best kept secret in the world. And, um, you can live an amazing life. I live in a pretty affluent uh, community here, um, outside of Manhattan. And yet I see these very successful New York executives get on a 6:30 AM train every single day and not make it back home to their family until like eight o'clock in the evening. And they do that day after day after day. And I just think how amazing my life is as a photographer that, uh, you know, I get to have all this free time. I get to do what I love. I couldn't even imagine being in an office uh, doing the stuff that, uh, that my neighbors do. And, you know, it's not that difficult. Take the time to learn the business strategies that will take you to the next level. Um, listen to people like yourself or others who are having success in the business. Try and, and see what they're doing. And successful people outside the business read business books, do all that you can to learn the habits of business success, and you will give yourself one of the greatest gifts you can ever give yourself. And that's being a part of the most amazing profession there is where you can make amazing income and have the most amazing life you could ever make.
0: Awesome man! Thank you so much, Brad. I mean, like, uh, this is this has really got me fired up. You know, like, I've been thinking all uh, so much about like the creative side, the creative side, and bettering my craft and bettering my craft. And so, this is kind of like the kick I needed <laughs> to, to to really start reevaluating our business plan and and what we want and what we need and, and where we're going to be growing towards. And um, and I love the idea of the thermostat. I, I need to like crank my thermostat up a bit uh, and so thank you so much for, for spending time with us and, and getting into all this with us okay where can people find you online Bradford they want to learn more from you they want to dig into this more where can people find you you know I'm first and foremost a photographer but I do have that
1: blog there it's just milliondollarphotographer.com or um, facebook.com forward slash million dollar photographer and that's where you'll find my articles I think I've written like 20 of them now So I do one like every two weeks, and it's just a lot of fun for me. And, uh, yeah, that's about it.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time, man. I can't wait till we get a chance to talk again soon, and uh, I appreciate it. Sounds awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Bradford.